Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. I just want to share with you a little bit from the Word of God. I want to talk about why Jesus came. But first of all, let's pray. Father, it's a joy and a delight to be in your presence to celebrate the birth of our Lord. To give thanks to you for loving us so much that you sent your only begotten Son who would take our place as our substitute, who would shed his precious holy blood upon Calvary's cross, who would apply that blood to the mercy seat so that we could become your sons and your daughters. We are so thankful for this great plan of redemption that you planned out and sent the Lord Jesus to consummate. And right now and right here by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you've made it a reality in all of our lives. Father, we thank you for all that's said and done and give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Just to share with you a little bit this morning about why Jesus came. If you'd like to have a copy of the notes, just raise your hand. I'm not sure we'll see to it that you get one. But um, look at John's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 4 and 5. And these verses really stick within my heart. Every time I read them, they're so meaningful to me. Because really we could, we could say it applies to every one of us here today. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Listen to that verse again. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. There is no greater goal than that. To say that I live my life in such a way so as to glorify God on the earth by finishing the work that he gives us to do. And then he goes on to say, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So in other words, now that I've accomplished the purpose that you sent me here to the earth, I'm ready to be glorified once again with the glory that I had with you before I left the glory world to become a man. So give me my glory back. Jesus is by far the most powerful, influential figure who ever lived in this realm of human experience. And that is who ever lived, who will ever live, period. No one who is living right now can compare to the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was without question sent by the Father and given an assignment to carry out as he lived his life here upon the earth. And according to him, he finished that work that he came to do. And now that he finished the work, he's gone back to the Father, and he was given back the glory that he had before he left. Think about that statement. He set aside his mighty power and glory. He robed himself in flesh in becoming a man. He accomplished the purpose of the Father's will upon the earth. He went back to heaven, and there was a coronation service that took place when he was there. And once again, he had his glory reinstated that he had before the world was. I know it's hard to wrap our brains around something like that, but we're not just talking about a religious holiday. We're celebrating Christmas. You talk about the mind of God, the wisdom of God, the ability of God, the power of God. And then you talk about humility. 
humbling himself, he who created the world, humbled himself to be conceived in the womb of a virgin. Why? To identify with human flesh, because that's the only way we could be saved. So he took on our flesh. He housed the only blood that could save mankind. And then he trusted his father after he did the work to raise him from the dead. And beloved, every one of us can say the same thing. You live your life to glorify God. You finish the work he gives you to do. And that's what you can do. And then when you leave this realm, he will provide you the glory that you deserve for serving him with your life. Amen. And where does that begin? We just saw it here this morning. A life that's just born into the world that needs direction, understanding, love, care, nurturing, etc. Amen. I really, I don't know about you, but I really would have desired to know the ways of God and the things of God when I was a lot younger because I wasn't saved till I was 24 years of age. So thank God for younger people. We could rear up our children in the ways of God. And I think about just uh, how my children have been exposed to the things of God and they know the truth. Well, just a few things I want to share with you uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, that Jesus was sent by the Father. Let's, let's look at some scriptures that reveal to us that Jesus was sent by the Father. He's not just another person like we said last night. Some people say that he's just a, a good person, that he is a great teacher, that he was a perfect role model, or he was a God, small g, or he was just another, let's say, founder of religion, uh, a prophet, and, and it goes on and on. But he was so much more than that. He was the ancient of days who left the glory world behind. He's the one that created everything in this world, who spoke in the stars were hung up in the sky and he called them all by name. Oh, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, and everything in between. He is Emmanuel, God who is with us. It was God that entered the earth through the virgin birth to live a life that could save you and me. In John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 21, here's what it says. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me. My Father sent me. Even so send I you. So look at these scriptures here that talk about how he was sent. Let's start first of all, uh, number one. In 1 John 4.10, he was sent to atone for our sins. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son. Jesus was a God sent. And what did he send him to do? To be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, to provide the atonement for our sins. Number two is John 3.17. Look at what it says. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but, through the, but the world through him might be saved. But God sent not his son. Notice he was sent. Jesus was sent by the Father not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Number three. Look at Acts chapter three. Unto you first God having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you. Wasn't that wonderful? Aren't those wonderful words? You sent Jesus to bless us in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And then number four, Galatians chapter four. Beautiful, beautiful scriptures put together by the apostle Paul. Of course, Jesus taught him. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem deem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. He was sent by the father the seed of the woman, the first prophecy about the incarnation. He was sent to redeem those that were under the law 
that we might receive what? The adoption. You know, really, if you're born again, you're really, you're twofold, the child of God. You've been born of the Spirit. So in other words, He gave birth to you, but you've been adopted into His family. He wanted to make sure that you and I knew that we're His own. So a twofold, twofold work of God in making us His children. And then next, in the book of Romans chapter 8, for what the law could not do in that it was weak to the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So notice these scriptures put together here tell us something. Here's the message that God sent His Son to do what no man could do, what no animal blood could possibly do, what good works could never do. He sent His Son and His Son's name is Jesus. All men were made from one pool of blood. All men can only be saved by one pool of blood. Everyone born in Adam has the Adamic sin nature in his blood. Everyone who accepts Christ has a blood transfusion. Oh, hallelujah. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Every sinner plunged beneath the flood loses all their guilty stains. He washed you whiter than snow. And this was the reason why he was sent. He was sent by the Father to accomplish the work that needed to be done. That heaven needed done by someone. And won't it be wonderful on that day in Revelation chapter 5. When you and I are before the throne of God. And it's fulfilled what John saw when he was there in glory on the Patmos. He saw the Father sitting on the throne with a book written within, on the backside with seal with seven seals. He saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to take this book and loose the seals thereof? There is no man in heaven, no man on earth, no man under the earth could take the book and loose the seals thereof. And so he began to weep. And as he wept, oh, one of the elders said, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. He says, I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne stood a lamb, as he had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth on all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he took the book, the four beasts and four and twenty others fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory. Blessed because you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. His blood type is the perfect blood type for every person, every people, every kindred, every tongue, every nation. Oh, race doesn't matter. Ethnicity doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter. What matters is you're alive and you're a human being. And by the blood of Jesus, there's redemption. Hallelujah. There's redemption and reconciliation. Hallelujah. Well, let's outline the work that he came to do. These are just some scriptures. It'll help you do your own personal study. You can take this uh, home and look it over. Look up these scriptures. Number one, he came to do the Father's will. John 6, 38. Let's read it. I must work the works of him. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. So why did he come? Why was he sent? Anything you see Jesus do in scripture He did because he was performing the will of the Father perfectly. This is the will of the Father. He could say it in such a way that if you've seen me do whatever I do, you've seen the Father do it. Because I'm not doing my own will. I'm doing only what he says to do. I'm only carrying out his orders. 
So every person he touched, every person he healed, every person he set free, every person he delivered was the will of God in motion for every person. Number two, he came to save sinners. Look at uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world. See, he came into the world to do what? Save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul, go back to that John 9, 4. Let's, let's bring that up, if you can. Notice what Jesus said when he came. I must work the works of him that sent me. I must work the works of him that sent me. Can you imagine if you and I woke up every morning and said, I must work the works of the one who has sent me. And didn't Jesus say, as my father sent me, so send I you? While it is day, because the night's coming when no man can work. The time's going to come when our days on this earth will be numbered and they will be over. The only way we can impact the lives of other people here upon this earth is now. While we are alive and breathing in these bodies. And we can share Jesus with the world that we live in. And in our community, uh, in our circle of influence. Okay, number three. And he, call, he came in Mark two seventeen. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here's another reason why he came. He came to call anyone, whosoever will, let him come. You say, but I'm so steeped in sin. I'm so deep in sin. There's no possible way. My life is good enough. He came to call you. He came to let you know. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to let you know there's no condemnation. Just come to me. I did what you couldn't do for yourself. It's not about your performance. It's about his performance. Praise God. All you've got to do is accept what he did. Praise God. Isn't that good to know? Amen. And then notice this next one. I love this. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Notice that which was lost. And I emphasize that because I know he came to call sinners. But he also came to save that what was lost. What was lost? Man's relationship with God. What was lost? Man's dominion and authority upon this earth. His ability to rule over the kingdom that God had created under his leadership and guidance. He lost all that. The power. The power to do what? Call the animals to come and do exactly what they say to do. To control all things. To keep all the powers of darkness and evil out from their lives. To exercise this control and this dominion over all that is evil. He came to restore it. And oh, aren't you glad that he did? He gave us power over all the power of the enemy. He did what we couldn't do for ourselves. He came and he saved that what was lost. And look at the next one. He came to set an example. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto or to, to be served, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to set an example as to how we should live our lives. We're, to he, we're here to serve one another, to serve other people, to lay down our lives like he laid down his life for others. If you're a single person, you can do that just by giving yourself completely to seeing that you're a blessing to other people that you're around. If you're in a marital relationship, do the same thing. Serve one another. You've got children, serve one another. And the list goes on and on. That's the example that he said. He came also in John's gospel, chapter 18, verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king then? 
Jesus answered, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Notice he came to do what? Bear witness of the truth. Of course, Pilate goes on to say, well, what is truth? And he didn't give Jesus a chance to answer. He should have, because he is the truth. I read that little statement that was made by that person who doesn't believe that God exists. He said, our teenagers of today, then they can really learn the truth and they could recover themselves from the indoctrination of their parents that instilled within in, in them a belief in religion or in Jesus or in the things of God. And they can come out from that and overcome that and they can know the truth, be delivered. And they he went on to say, and they can enter the real world Oh, really? That's a world of deception. It's a world of destruction. It's a world of lies. It's exactly what the devil wants for people to be destroyed. No. Jesus came to bear witness of the truth. Beloved, Jesus said you'll know the truth. And the truth you know will make you free. And the truth is, Jesus is the Son of God. He's not just a good man. He's not just a good person. Oh, praise God. He is the ancient of days who robed himself in flesh, who walked upon the earth that he made to redeem us from our fallen state and condition. He's the fourth man in a burning fiery furnace that brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out. He's the one that appeared to Abraham and he said, I am the almighty God. Serve me and I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. He is. Hallelujah the one and only Savior of the world. Oh, thank God. Thank God that he came. See, today is not about presence, and thank God for presence. It's not about those things. It's about fellowship. Thank God that we can fellowship with one another. But it's about an event that took place 2,000 years ago in which God himself became a man. It's, again, beyond our comprehension. And so the point is, we don't come out of religious duty and obligation. We come out of deep love, respect, reverence, and appreciation for what God did to save us from an eternity of a lake of fire. Hmm. Look at the next one. He came to be the light in the world, John 12, 46. I'm come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. That's confusion. That's the inability to know direction for your life. Walking in the darkness. Do you remember one time before you got saved? And after you got saved, you said, I was blind, but now I see. You maybe heard that expression before and didn't know what it meant. But once you got saved, you recognized, I was blind, but now I see. Oh, I remember. Like I said, I was 24 years old before I got saved. And I was blind. I was blind by religious tradition. I was blind by not knowing uh, what life was all about. I didn't know what my life meant. I didn't know what it was for. I was blind. I was blind to God's love. I didn't know that God loved me, had a plan for my life, had no clue about that. I thought you just live, try to do your best, be as good as you possibly can, and you're going to be okay, possibly. But one day as I was going to bed as a teenage boy, probably 16, 17 years old, and I was just sweating bullets, woke up in the middle of the night, and I just said, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I have this fear, this consciousness that I'm, I'm lost. I didn't know it was conviction of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost doesn't give up on you? It took me from that time at 16 till I was 24 to get an understanding of how you can be saved, how you can know that you're going to go to heaven. I didn't know that. 
but oh, thank God the light came. And when the light came, oh, it just joyed my heart. It's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I realized that now I'm saved. Now I know, praise God. I know that I know that I know I'm going to be with him in glory forever. And thank God you could teach our young people that at an early age so that they can live a life where they never walk off the path. Amen. He's a light. He makes the path of our lives brighter and brighter more and more to the perfect day. Look at the next one. Another beautiful scripture, John 10, 10. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But we know that, don't we? But I am come. We're talking about why he came. I am come that you might have life. And that more abundantly or life to the full. I've come to bless you coming in and going out. I've come to bless you in the city and the field. I've come to bless you, praise God, and you're rising up, you're lying down to make you the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath. I've come to see to it that in spirit and soul and in body that you experience the quality of life that transcends anything you've ever encountered before. That's why he came. Well, let me ask you a question. Who's greater, the devil or Jesus? What's greater, the work the devil did in Adam or the work that Jesus does in us? Hallelujah. We need to admit that and declare that and proclaim that. Can you say amen? Okay, look at the next one. In John 9, 39. And Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world. That they which see not might see and they, they, that they which see might be made blind. Remember he called them the blind leaders of the blind? They didn't want to see the truth. He came to bring judgment to the world. And all these people that are out there that say, oh, there's many ways to heaven, there's many ways to God, there's this, there's that, and all that. Don't buy into it, not for one moment. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. If you're going to be a disciple of anyone, be a disciple of Jesus. And you get all these people on television talking about, oh, you know, we, we want to respect everyone's religion. Really? We want to respect everyone. Everyone has a right to practice whatever you want to practice. But still, there's only one way. There's only one way. There is not another way. Think about that. There's this one fellow that witnessed to somebody, and the person that he witnessed to just stopped in his tracks and just basically reamed him out. What gives you the right to talk to me about religion or anything that you believe? And just became irate over it. Think about that. He's concerned about his eternal well-being, and he's being chewed out by this guy. Don't talk to me about religion. Don't talk to me about God. Don't talk to me about these things that are private to me, exclusive to me. Of course, he, 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 didn't, he felt bad that he offended him, but still, aren't we told in the scriptures to let everyone know? Jesus told us to tell the world, the whole world about God's great love for all of us. And his response really could have been or should have been, hey, the one I serve, the God I serve, he's the only true living God. He gave me a commission and that commission I'm to tell the world, go into all the world. If you don't want to accept it or hear it, that's up to you. But you're asking me why? Because you see, I was told to do it by my creator and my savior and my redeemer. Amen. Look at the next one. To preach good news. What kind of news? And he said to them, let us go in the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Why did Jesus come? To preach the good news. 
You know, there's great news. I, I just listened to a, a teaching of Brother Hagen, a lot of the teachings that we have, and it just sparked something in me. Just powerful, powerful. He was talking about he was on, how he was on his deathbed at 16 years of age, 17, going on 17. Mayo Clinic, no hope whatsoever for him to live. Zero chances out of a million for him to live. Paralyzed from his waist down. Incurable blood disease, incurable uh, heart condition that he had. And there he is lying there on that bed. He's got a lot of time just to lie on the bed and just listen to whatever. He chose to open up his Bible. He could hardly read at this point. He could hardly see at this point. And just everything they said at Mayo Clinic, what happened to him was happening to him. And he was to the point where he's now paralyzed from his waist down and he was dying. And even preachers that came along and patted him on the leg and just said, it's okay, Sonny. It's okay, Sonny. It'll be over here soon. You'll be, you'll be gone. How about that for encouragement? Mm -hmm. And he's talking, the preacher's talking to his grandmother and mother by the door and he's just, Really, he can hear everything that they're saying. And he's preparing them. It's okay. It's okay. He'll, he'll be gone here in just a, a little time. He said he couldn't shout or anything like that. But inside himself, he was saying, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Don't talk. I'm not dead yet. Well, he was kind of rehearsing his personal testimony. And this will bless you beyond words. He got to Mark eleven twenty three, which is why it's the keynote scripture of his life and ministry. He said, I read that verse of scripture and it said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. And he said, I read that verse and it just hit me. The light went on. You talk about light when there's confusion and darkness. Now imagine this. Except going on 17, 17 year old boy never really played, never could ever have a life and he took that verse of scripture which was truth and he says I just looked at it and I just kept saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it saying it and the Lord told him three times it says say, one time it says believe he said my people, they're not missing it in what they believe, they're missing it in what they say and it's three times more you have to preach on saying than even the believing part because you see they're not saying the right thing they're saying what they have, but I told them they can have what they say. They're saying what they have, and I told them they can have what they say. So stop saying what you have, and start saying what you want to have. You can have what you say. And he started saying what the Word says. You release faith that way. I believe I'm delivered. I believe I'm healed. I believe I'm set free. I believe I receive healing for the incurable blood disease. I believe I receive healing for my heart condition. I believe I receive healing for the paralysis. I believe I receive and I believe I receive and therefore I have. I believe I receive and therefore I have. Say it and 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 say it. And he said it this way. I said it again and 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 again. Over and over. you see people miss it because they don't understand the truth they think it's magical it's not magical you got to train your spirit to believe what you're saying and when your spirit gets a hold of it it's going to produce life out of your spirit come the issues of life it's not magical it doesn't happen because you said it three times it will happen when you and I take it to heart and I heard him say this he said this he said look this will bless you I know it blessed me beyond words 
the churches he used to go into, churches like these here, this is way back in the, in the earlier days of the faith movement. He said, it didn't work like people think instantaneously. It didn't even work by gifts and anointings. He said, I can guarantee to almost get every person filled with the Holy Ghost and every person healed if I could stay there two to three weeks at a time. And he said, I would go to these places and I would tell the people, don't come to the altar this first night, the second night, the third night. Don't come to the altar because you're going to come without an unbelief. He said, I told them, you don't come to the altar until two days, at least two days, and the more, the more difficult cases, three days. Three days. You go home and get yourself in your prayer closet, and for two days or three days, you say, when hands are laid on me, I will be healed. When hands are laid on me, I will be healed. When hands are laid on me, I will be healed. When, why? Because I could believe I, I have what I say. What the woman with the issue of blood, what did she say? She kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, if I touch his garment, I'll be healed. If I touch his garment, I'll be healed. If I touch his garment, I'll be healed. She kept saying, and she kept saying, and she kept saying, and she kept saying, and she kept saying. And he told them, two days, three days, don't even come to this altar until you've said for two to three days solid throughout the course of every day, all day long. When hands are laid on me, I'll be healed. When hands are laid on me, I will be healed. When hands are laid on me, I will receive my healing. He said, I've never failed. Never failed. Every, or, or I'd get filled with the Spirit. Each one. When I had the time to, to invest that kind of uh, teaching into the people, you know what he said? I would get 100% filled with the Holy Ghost and 90-some percent of people healed. And he says, and to be honest with you, if you really figure it out and study it out, what you find out is this. I'm, I'm too busy to do that for two to three days. He said, well, if you're too busy to do it for two to three days, then forget about it. You're not going to get it. And I'll tell you what, spoke volumes to my heart and my life. We are really going to hit heavy in this area because it's what everybody needs. It's not magic. Next, he came to fulfill the law. Matthew 5, 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. And he did. That's why he came. Look at the next one. He came to bring division. You ready for this one? Think not that I have come to send peace on the earth, on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. I came to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So in other words, he is saying, look, I've come to let people know you're going to make a decision. Who's first? We can't put anyone else above the things of God. Now, you know, we may be blind to something like he's saying right there, but you have to understand this. If you were a Jewish person, a Hebrew, and you practiced Judaism, and you made a decision to accept Christ as your Savior and Lord, your husband would, or your wife would turn you in to have you killed. So when he's talking about a sword variance between the two, or children, if children accepted Christ at that time, and the parents got word of it, they'd turn them in. We see it happening in the world today. You don't renounce Christianity and accept what they want you to accept, you're beheaded. You've got a decision to make. That's what he meant by a sword. Division between even family, closest people, family members. We have it made in America, don't we? We don't live with that kind of pressure, do we? No, we've got freedom to choose. But I'm telling you, he brought division and they were persecuted sorely if they made a decision to accept him 
and rise up above what they were involved in. The next one, number 13, John 12, 27. He came to die. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I. Notice we're talking about why he came. He came to die. How about that? He was born to die. We're living in the land of the dying. The moment you're born, you begin to die. Do we realize that? And when we die, we go to the land of the living. Eternal comfort, eternal discomfort. And that's forever. What we sow in the land of the dying will determine where we spend our eternity in the land of the living. Let that sink into all of our ears. You see, what we talk about what we're doing here today celebrating Christmas this is no small thing. This is not just a religious obligation. I need to go to church. It's Sunday and it's, it's Christmas and, and all that. <laughs> We're celebrating the living God became a man to save us from a destructive end that we all would have entered into without question. And to do what he did, had to sacrifice his son's life for us. And what are we to do? We can't buy him a tie. Right? He doesn't need a blender. What, what does he want? Your life. Your commitment. Your surrender. Your sacrifice. Your service. Oh, praise God. 14. You better get your shouting clothes on for this one. He that commits sins of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Oh, glory to God. He destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those of us who all our lifetime were in fear to bondage. Thank God he destroyed what Adam did, what Satan did in Adam, and what Adam did in us. He destroyed once and for all, and he brought us up out of the power and authority of that darkness. And he's given us a new hope. He's given us new life. He's given us restored dominion and authority where we can rise up above all the works of the devil. Praise God. And then you'll see the last one here. Hmm. Keep those shouting clothes on. Luke 12, 49. I am come to send what? Fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? Oh, I'm telling you, didn't Jeremiah say the word is like a fire? The word is like a fire in my bones. The word is like a hammer. The word is like a fire. Oh, the word of God being proclaimed. You could say that that is part of that fire. And it was getting brighter and brighter more and more. But then on the day of Pentecost, Holy Ghost fire fell down from heaven. It 
touched every one of those 120 that were there. They were set ablaze on fire for God. They were concerned about whether or not they'd be persecuted, whether or not they would die, whether or not that they would become martyrs. All they were concerned about is letting everyone that they came into contact with know that there's only one Savior, there's only one Redeemer. His name is Jesus and He is Lord of all. You crucified Him, you thought you killed Him, you thought you snuffed Him out, but God raised Him from the dead on the third day and He is alive right now and we're bold to tell you the fire catching fire God wants us to catch fire praise God and just rekindle that fire and just rise up to a place that praise God we're unashamed of the gospel and with boldness we proclaim it to a lost and dying world hallelujah in conclusion God sent his only begotten son and he gave him an assignment the son came to the earth and he fulfilled the work that the father gave him to do God the father raised him from the dead and in a coronation service set him down at his own right hand again and put within his hand what a scepter of righteousness and a crown of glory Amen. And I know we have the cross and we talk about the cross and that's where he suffered and died. But right now there's no cross that he's on. He's got a scepter of righteousness and he's got the crown. He's restored. Praise God. He is Lord of all. And he's coming again. And when he comes again, he's not coming as a baby in innocence. He is coming as the king of kings and Lord of lords. And he is going to snuff out all the enemy once and for all. His vesture dipped in blood. Praise God. And the sword of the spirit. The word of God, the two-edged sword in his hand. Let's all stand together and celebrate Jesus. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of his love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus I'm now your child, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.